Welcome to Biocentric Life. I am Reimer Gefkin. On Biocentric Life, we take a deep look into applying a life-centric paradigm onto the micro-world that humans design and live in. It's about progressing life by returning to the center. My guest today is James Sawyer Kreiner, a business professional, entrepreneur and teacher who has lived in Germany, Hong Kong, Singapore, the United States, and currently resides in Indonesia since about 16 years. James is of American and Indonesian descent, and through his broad work and life experience in various cultures and environments has developed several different perspectives on education and society. James, welcome to Biocentric Life. Yeah, happy to be here. People say moving abroad truly changes one. Since you have been living in so many different countries and, and cultures, how do you see this has transformed your personality? Yeah, basically I've learned how to adapt to different situations. I've lived in so many countries, so in many cases I had to leave many friends behind. But then I learned how to uh, make new ones and also learn about new cultures and how to adapt to new cultures as well. What, what, what do you find is like the most hardest? Is it like finding new, new, new friends or like getting into new cultures? Or where do you see like the, the, the biggest resistance also in adapting to a new yeah. environment? Yeah, I think the, I think the hardest part is uh, that every country, um, it pretty much has its uh, positive and negative aspects. Mm. So as long as we can accept the uh, positive aspects and, and focus more on those rather than focusing on the negative ones, then we can adapt more easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it's a lot of men, uh, mental game, like, like staying in the, in the, on the positive view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you just have to, uh, you, you have to know how to fit in, basically, and not to stay within your comfort zone. So the best way is to always uh, live like the locals, wherever you go. Yeah. 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 And uh, since you're having an Indonesian and American background, so you actually have these, these two, two worlds uh, inside yourself, uh, how, how do you see the, the, the transformation of Indonesia into the future? Do you, do you expect Indonesia will be following like the technology-driven part of the U.S. or the West? Or do you see like Indonesia is going to find really a, a unique own path on developing? And, and how would that path probably look like? Yeah, I think with Indonesia it's uh, very unique because we have 17,000 islands and we have about 700 different languages. So uniting all of the country as one is difficult. And also with Indonesia, uh, what's very unique is that there's a very big informal sector. About 70% of Indonesians live in the informal sector. And therefore, um, yeah, we need to move forward by uniting the country as, as one. But uh, one of the problems that Indonesia has is uh, high corruption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if Indonesia is able to rid itself of corruption, then it can move uh, even more forward and probably have a lot higher economic growth rates mm. than is current. So, since, since you're, you're an, an expert in uh, education and having worked in so many different uh, institutions and, and also teaching to corporations and, and private clients, um, how do you see 
uh, the, the the current status in, in Indonesia on education and, and w which direction is it is it going? And then since you mentioned like all the different languages and, and how I think it's really a challenge to get this unified and, and come up with like a master plan for education in Indonesia. Yeah, actually in Indonesia the the standard is not as high as other uh, advanced economies, uh, even in. Even in Asia, it's it's still not on par with other countries in Asia. But then, but then, how do we move more towards that? How do we become the best in Asia? Well, we first have to focus less on maybe memorization and test taking, mm -hmm. but then more on uh, pr practical uh, practical exercises. For example, uh, kids can start their own business at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, or for example, they can do more things that are vocational, and those will be skills that will last for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Whereas uh, something like test taking, yeah, you just take a test and then probably forget about it uh, the next day, uh -huh. so it doesn't really live with you. But once you experience things, then they will live with you uh, forever. Yeah. Yeah, I think these are these are really relevant topics, and I myself always feel like like the formal education is somehow lacking in, in being also like a school school for life or, and uh, what 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 you mentioned there is I think absolutely valid and also uh, like people are financially illiterate after they graduate they don't learn anything about it. like a little investment here and there and all these things they're like completely completely for, for forgotten but but do you do you see like or, or how can this be getting into the formal education? Because like I understand like there's there's always like a ministry and there's a curriculum and sort of the way schools are set up. So can we really hope for that schools are changing into that way, or is it something that will be run outside of school and with all the new tools that are coming up, online education is on? Do you do you expect like this is going to be in future like a bigger part on on education? Yeah, if actually, if you look at um, the education system here, it's very, it's very formal, and it's uh, very book based. So there is hardly any uh, practical aspects to the curriculum. Yeah, so you have a lot of students uh, who end up taking language courses, or they might take coding courses, uh, maybe to make apps, things yeah, like yeah. that. And actually, that type of thing should be available in their schools. Yeah, so uh, the extra courses that they're taking, they should be available in their schools. But then too many schools, they're too much focused on, you know, subjects and the syllabus and following the syllabus. And teachers are also focused too much on the syllabus. Mm. That they, they don't tend to uh, think outside of the box. So therefore, schools... Um, yeah, they need to move more in a practical direction rather than uh, just staying in the classroom. Yeah. I don't think that uh, staying in the classroom is uh, very effective. Kids have to get out there and actually have to learn. They have to be kinesthetic learners, so they have to learn by doing also. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, uh, if you were to cook something, yeah, you can read a recipe. But I think the best way is actually to make the recipe yourself, yeah, yeah and and to do it by yourself, yeah. 
<laughs> and, and, and there you also have the direct reward because you see like the real stuff that that you that you did and produced and you learned how to how to cook and you, and you have the, yeah. uh, the 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 dish done. Yeah. So, so you need to be an active learner and not just a passive learner. But too too many schools are focused on passive learning. Yeah. And that that needs to change. Right. Yeah. Right. I think um, what I remember, like one of the methods that you apply is, um, in, in, in teaching at, at high school before was also to engage uh, the pupils in, in an open dialogue so that they um, better get into the subject or understand it. Yeah, I, I don't think that um, we can go back to the old way of, of teaching, which is, you know, you just lecturing and students just listening and taking notes. Mm. But we are more a facilitator. We are more... Uh, feedback givers than ever before. So, for example, many students nowadays, all of them are into social media. Yeah. So a lot of them, they love reading comments and likes and things like that. So we actually have to move more into that direction where we're giving them feedback on their on their work mm. and less so speaking. Yeah. So actually, a teacher is used more as a coach or a mentor, should be more coach or mentor. Mm. And usually coaches and mentors are the best bosses, right? Yeah, rather than someone who is authoritative. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that, that's an interesting point because mentorship actually is something which is really beneficial. I mean, like in, in business and, 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 and everywhere. So mm -hmm. everyone who has uh, the luck to find a good mentor, I think is in a really in a good position. But then if, if we talk about education, um, Does this then also mean that actually for a teacher it should be rather required that the teacher has been working in, in, in other jobs, not like, you know, you can go the pure formal educational career from school to university and then start teaching, but then mm -hmm. can you be a good mentor for, for, for all the skills that the, the mm -hmm. uh, pupils need to, to uh, acquire? Yeah, too, too many teachers are too uh, book smart. So they have very high IQs, but... Uh, Actually, they don't work on progressing their EQ mm. when the EQ is actually uh, very important. Uh, social skills, presentation skills, learning how to work in a team, those things should be taught by teachers. And teachers, therefore, have to also be outgoing. Yeah. yeah. yeah or they have to be ambiverts. So they have to be good listeners, but also good talkers. Right, right. Yeah, and, th and that's, that's the hard part about teaching. You need a certain personality uh, for it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. It's a bit, a bit like marketing. Yeah, in marketing, you need to listen to the customer, mm. but then also you need to be able to ask all questions. So you need to be able to do both. Same thing in uh, same thing in teaching. Also. Yeah, yeah, because it also involves this, this uh, emotional relation Mm -hmm. uh, and but, but there, here, here comes in uh, a thing I wanted to ask you as well because you you're also doing uh, online teaching and, and coaching mm -hmm. and if, if this is with people that may, maybe you yeah. haven't even met in your in your life in real person so is it limited to certain things that you can bring over because having the personal contact I think in teaching has also an additional dimension so how, how is that on these new tools that we have online Yeah, I, I don't think that um, technology can fully replace the teacher yeah, because um, otherwise um, people's social skills will be diminished. Mm. And if you see nowadays a lot of kids, they're, they're addicted to uh, technology, yeah. but then it also diminishes their social skills. Therefore, you need face-to-face uh, -face interaction. 
Yeah, so for example, in Indonesia, uh, not many of um, not many of the businesses have become automated, like for example in China or Singapore, Japan, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So in Indonesia, we still have a human touch. So yeah. for example, if we go to a mall in in Jakarta, in Indonesia, yeah, we can still ask someone uh, for directions, and right, therefore right. we have a yeah. we have a social interaction there. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think those social yeah. interactions are are priceless. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I think yeah. maybe that's that's one of the essential factors that make uh, this country so likable. Or you know, like, I mean, a lot. Of, I I feel it myself, and a lot of people say it when you come here. Like, um, yeah, it's 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 friendly, and I, th- I think it's it's exactly this. You know, you you can ask someone, and even maybe this person doesn't understand you very well, but you know, he or she will try to 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 help, and I think this gives sort of a personal personal touch and and. This leads me like to to the um, to the next uh, topic I wanted to cover. So Indonesia has this super rich cultural heritage in, in many aspects, and um, whether it's like in 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 traditional medicine, which is called jamu, which which is a huge knowledge which is there, and and maybe might get lost. Uh, because no one really takes it serious, or it's it's not really well preserved because it was handed on from generation to generation, or or even like the farming methods that you see in in, in Bali, the, the sort of rice farming. So there's a lot of uh, ancient know-how in there, which is actually really good for mankind, but um, yeah, it's not really on the center focus. And and uh, how how can this country like preserve it and then even take it as an advantage to? Uh, Evolve into a brighter future, not not just following like the, the the modern technology, but seeing like oh we have this ancient knowledge still there. There are people who still have the mastery. How how could this be integrated into society? Yeah, Indonesia has a very rich culture. Um, we have several traditional dances, such as the Kacak dance in uh, Bali mm. or the Barong dance also in Bali, and also we have. Um, traditional instruments such as the gamelan and anklung and so forth and actually I I watch these um, performances quite often like for example I watched uh, anklung Um, anklung is like it's sort of like a flute yeah Um, but actually it's a bit like 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 an organ it plays like an organ but it's a traditional instrument and I saw that a lot of uh, young kids were actually performing Mm-hmm. There and and I was very um, yeah I was very surprised that actually the young the younger generation is still interested in such oh, things oh, yeah. and I was uh, very happy uh, to see that but, yeah that's yeah. a good sign yeah and I also often watch um, this theater troupe in Indonesia called Teater Koma yeah yeah which is a comedy theater uh, theater group and they've been around since the seventies and yeah there's a lot of young performers there too. So I think culture is alive and well, and I think that it's getting passed down to the future generations. And we also have uh, Wayang, which is uh, shadow puppets yeah. in Indonesia. And in order to become a puppet master or dalang is, uh, is very difficult. You have to be able to maneuver the puppets in certain ways and right, speak right. in different voices. Yeah. yeah, but actually when I watched uh, a recent performance, um, the Dalang actually bought his uh, son with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually, you can see that the son was learning too. So I think um, 
I think it's alive and well, yeah. despite the bad image of millennials and handphones right. and yeah, well, addiction yeah, to yeah. technology and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So I was happy to see that. that that's pretty yeah. encouraging. Maybe maybe that's that's a fortunate advantage that Indonesia actually was was a bit slow in the development, mm -hmm. and now we are at a point where in the in the West a lot of people discover oh there is all this ancient knowledge which which was lost and people try to rediscover it and, and you know travel to India and, and places mm -hmm. and discover meditations and, and and actually here all this is still present in you know in, in generations and as as you mentioned it's even. Um, kept in the younger generations as well, and, and so maybe we have the chance to to really keep it and not lose it and, and build it into into the future. And like on the music, um, like gamelan, I also think like when you listen to it, it definitely has has a sort of a positive impact. And, and I'm sure this is related to the frequencies, the rhythm, and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's no research on it, but but I mean, you can you can you can tell, you can feel. So I, I think that's that's probably a really rich heritage that we have here and we should keep yeah, and it's and it's also a big selling point for our tourism right uh, because a lot of foreigners uh, when they come to bali they want to see such uh, performances or right. when i went to bandung west java um, most of the people who watched were also foreigners the anglong performance yeah 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 <laughs> so Yeah, I think that we need to preserve uh, these unique uh, traditions and, and cultures yeah. and dances and so forth. And art, too. Because actually we have a lot of uh, painters who are actually world-renowned nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And actually their paintings uh, sell uh, for very high prices overseas and auctions overseas. Mm. So Indonesians are very, very talented, actually. They have... Um, they're, they're good at um, the arts. Yeah, they're good at painting and singing and dancing and and so forth. So I think they should uh, continue to use their talents. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the 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 final topic that I wanted to cover is um, we are all now fully aware that that we are into lifelong learning. I mean, you cannot stop at 25 or not even at 30. So there's this this. Ongoing, ongoing need to, to reinvent yourself and, and to keep uh, learning new stuff, and people are aware of it. And I just wonder, how how do you see like uh, the, the the maybe the education sector will follow it? Do you can you imagine that there's new sort of adult education programs coming up, or or do you rather expect like people will arrange themselves over social media on online or? And do you think that, that this is maybe also even a market for dedicated uh, solutions, uh, like you know addressing people in their ages of 40 or, or 50? Yeah. yeah, basically, um, say you're a teacher and you just turn on um, YouTube for your students. Actually, that is something that the students can do by themselves. Mm. Yeah, they can go home and watch YouTube, right? Right. Yeah. So you actually have to do things that they can't do by themselves or things that their parents can't teach them yeah, or, or maybe don't have the time to do. Right. Yeah, right. So, such as, um, yeah, going back to an activity that I did uh, for middle school and high school students. Uh, students um, had to invest their own money and sell products on campus at a, at a you know, yearly bazaar, such as uh, Valentine's or Halloween. Yeah, we had... Uh, you know, food festival for mm -hmm. students. And they very much enjoyed it. And I, I taught them how to calculate profit margin and, and so forth. 
and they had a they had a great time too. So that is something that they might find it hard to do something like that by themselves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the teacher needs to um, give extra value uh, to students. Yeah. Yeah, and it really takes a lot of uh, work though. Yeah, but it, but in the end, it's uh, worth it yeah, because uh, you see uh, the joy on uh, students' faces, and and that is just priceless. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I I think that's 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 a perfect perfect note to to close our talk. Mm -hmm. um, seeing the reward of a smile, I think that's that's mm -hmm. that's all you can expect and hope for. Yeah. So, uh, James, thank you very much for, yeah, for joining us much. here. Yeah. And I hope we can continue this conversation yeah. in the future. Yes, we can. Yeah. Was was a pleasure, very interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And to our audience, thank you very much for listening to this episode. To stay tuned for new episodes, please hit the subscribe button. And for more information about this project, please visit our website at biocentric.live. Have a great day out there. Bye-bye.